0: This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red Channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views
1: on Liverpool FC.
2: Okay, guys and gals, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with Neil, Neil Fitzmorris, of course. And joining me uh, this week to talk all things Liverpool FC is Matt Addison. Hi, Matt, how are you?
1: Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Yourself?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Fighting on through. You know what this rubbish is like. You've just got to keep on going, haven't you? When you're marching through hell, keep on marching. That's what they say. Dan Kay is also with us. How are you, Dan?
0: I'm all right. You can't argue with words of wisdom. I think it was Winston Churchill who said that, wasn't it? It was, If you're going through hell, keep on going.
2: That's the one, matey. Staring stuff, my friend. Staring stuff. Well, let's talk all things Liverpool, shall we? And if you're listening out there, thank you once again. For tuning in and choosing poetry and motion, and of course our other ones as well, the the Blood Red uh, podcasts, and also Allée Rouge, much much appreciated. Uh, and I hope if we can bring you a little bit of a smile and something to take your mind off this stupid bloody lockdown part two, um, then uh, we're we're happy to do that. Uh, me, Dan, and Matt. So all things Liverpool. When we left you, it was just before the West Ham game, uh, and another game that Liverpool showed immense character through. That's one of the things I think that's. Without sounding like Brendan Rodgers, I mean, you know, when he used away his character, it was usually after a defeat. Uh, we can use it because we, we, we tend to pull ourselves back from the brink, don't we? And, and and get not even from the brink, but certainly from losing position when we get beat. Uh, a huge character again against uh, West Ham. Uh, Dan.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, it's quite telling. Yeah, well, this 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 period of games, I think people always felt was going to be defined this chunk of games that began with Everton away that ends with with City away, um, I think people felt you know those two matches would define it and obviously couldn't really have got off to a... a well, the only way it could have got off to a worse start would have been if Everton had nicked, Everton had nicked it in the last minute at Goodison Park. Because obviously yeah. not just that we didn't get the win that we felt we deserved, but obviously the, the injury to Van Dijk, which looks like it's going to rule him out for pretty much all the season. And obviously Thiago, we, we, we've not seen hiding the hair of Thiago since then. Um, but 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 since then, you know, Liverpool have won five games. have only conceded two goals, and you know, you really couldn't have asked for much more of a, a stronger and, and kind of more heartening response for them. So we have just got to hope they go and you know go into Sunday, get a good result. Obviously, ideally a win. And I think Liverpool can look back on this particular chunk of the season as a really testing one, but one that they've come through. You know, pretty much with flying colours.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and um, you know Joe Gomez, uh, Joe Gomez, the culprit for you could say in many ways for the West Ham opener uh, with a with a poor header. A lot of pressure on Joe Gomez, Matt, but he's um, you know he's going to stand up to it. We know he is, and then you've had Rhys Williams popping in there. You know, there's a bit of a band aid situation going on at the moment, and hopefully, I mean band aid as in Alastair not not you know not the 1985 concerts. Um <laughs> but but um, you know, th- hopefully with the, with the Mattip coming back into fitness and. And Gomez, we can try and get them to. sort. I mean, Reese Williams has been great. He's popped in. He's been fantastic. But it'd be nice to get a bit of stability at the back wouldn't the match. Certainly with these games coming thick and fast, virtually every four days.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, obviously Reece Williams and Nat Phillips as well have done really, really well when they've yeah, come Of in. course, yeah. You know, you want obviously the best possible players to to be in there, and I think Joel Matip is is one that is going to come in. He's he's never actually played alongside Gomez for Liverpool yet, which I think pretty much sums up the the injuries that that both of them have had really since they've both been at, at the club. But fingers crossed, they can sort of patch it together for the next few weeks and, and that sort of thing. I mean. Just in terms of the mentality and that sort of thing over the last few games, it's been fantastic to see that you know the, the squad depth has really come to the fore, ready for Liverpool. You think of the injury to, to Van Dyke since that's happened. Liverpool have won five out of five. They've looked, you know, really, really good. And, and Joe Gomez, I think, has, has been a key reason for that. As you say, he's stepped up. He's shown real leadership qualities. I think it's, it's really easy to forget that. He's still a very young player himself. He's actually younger than Nat Phillips, which is, yeah. uh, is strange, not in a, a football sense, but in a, in a literal sense. He, he's, you know, quite experienced, but was still only 23. And I just think he, he stepped up and, and been much, much better. He had a few difficult matches. You think of the Aston Villa one is the obvious one, where Gomez was, was far from his best at the start of the season. But actually, I think, you know, since Van Dijk has been out, he's, he's really stepped up and, and looked really good. So, Yeah, Fingers crossed that continues. Fingers crossed that that Joel Matip doesn't get injured again but I I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that to be honest. I think there will be something between now and and January just based on on what we've seen before but if that is the case, as I say, Williams and and Phillips have have done enough for me to suggest that, that Liverpool can get through regardless.
2: Yeah, he seems to be quite crisp-based, doesn't he? When it comes to his um, the strength of his bones, um, and, and and joints. Uh, I didn't mention, of course, now Phillips there and Dan. Man of the match against West Ham. But he obviously uh, wasn't eligible. He's not. He wasn't put in the squad because you know, funny old game as it is. He wasn't in the uh, in Klopp's thoughts, really. In fact, he was probably on his way out the door, um, so he wasn't in the squad against At- Atalanta. But uh, I-, I know will be for any of the European stuff, I guess. But um, uh, he was man of the match against West Ham. Stepped up to the plate, he used his head a lot, didn't he? He loves he loves the aerial battles, doesn't he?
0: He does. He gave a really impressive performance. I mean, he, he, in, he probably had quite a kind introduction to him because I think as uh, as a few people have mentioned, Sebastian Haller, the West the West Ham centre forward who replaced. Mikel Antonio, who, of course, is banging form, gave, shall we say, uh, being kind of a rather disinterested performance.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think, you know, there's every chance we will see uh, a fair bit more of that, but it's certainly until the new year, when Liverpool at least have the option of, of bolstering the squad through the transfer market. And I think you can expect tougher tests than that, but you, know, you can only beat what's in front of you. and um, it's, a great, it, it, it's a great story how, you know, he, uh, you know, it seemed like he was on the way out of Anfield. He is actually, I heard this somewhere the, the other day, he's actually two months older than Joe Gomez. He's, yeah. not, you know, such a young player that, you know, he's, he's just coming through the ranks. Um, and he's had, he's had to wait for his opportunity, Opportunity, and it looked like it probably wasn't going to come from at Liverpool, but uh, he did, you know, he, he kind of roasted himself into Anfield folklore by popping back from his loan in Stuttgart in January to help knock Everton, Everton's full strength team out the FA Cup. And you know, to, to come back to come into a game like that with a lot of pressure on Liverpool. Um, you know, and, and obviously lo- losing a soft early goal like we did, you know, and I, I think you know, one one thing I want to say about Gomez as well, you know, there's an onus on him, you know, to take the senior role now. And I think he showed a lot of kind of mental strength really on Saturday, having made a bad rick rick like that early in the game, he didn't let it, he didn't let it affect him. He he gave a pretty solid no. performance in the end. And I think I think the two of them kind of fed off each other and you know. I think if we'd won by three or four goals to one instead of instead of the other rather narrow two one, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been by any any stretch of the imagination undeserved. So yeah, fair, fair play. And I think you know it, we'll, we'll have to wait and see as and when he comes in. You, you'd think the fact that Matic was on the bench uh, in midweek in, in in Atalanta but didn't come on means that maybe Klopp is kind of saving him for Man City on um,
2: yeah.
0: at the weekend because you know, he is the senior centre half, and of course he scored against City last year. In the in the charity shield, and you know, and I think he's played against him a few times, but there's no doubt about it. Liverpool will need Matt Phillips before now, and um, now in the new year. So it, his performance on Saturday was really encouraging.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm listening to the post match stuff that David Moyes did. The, the profounds David Moyes was saying. Um, it, 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 some, at one point, he said, you know, they did West Ham easily did enough to come away with something which I found ridiculous. They did, you know, they. They sort of nicked the goal and then that was it. It was just all one-way traffic. And then he said something remarkable about um, whether, he didn't know whether Shaqiri meant that pass or not. That's just think Did he? I don't he did. He, he-, he made a silly, made a silly <laughs> comment about, I'm not sure whether he meant it or not. Now, whether or not he was talking about something else, but it was printed in one of the papers as on the back of Shaqiri's pass. Well, let's just talk about that because, you know, I mean, Liverpool, you know, they were huffing and puffing. West Ham obviously nicked the goal. He probably weren't expecting to get. Um, and we're just, you know, everyone behind the ball, and then there was just that moment where those two come on, where, where it was almost like send the kids on, even though they're not. Well, what is? But well, one's just, you know, kid shaped, kid sized, um, <laughs> in G- in Gernschikey. G- G- but what an absolute magician! When those two came on, it just seemed to turn the game. And it just the onus. It's it's almost like it was an injection of, of a bit of pace and a bit of di- a dynamism and and a little bit of um, a little bit of guile and a little bit of imagination, wasn't it? And as soon as they came on, the the team seemed to go up a gear, Dan.
0: Yeah, well it's, it's I, I, the, the last kind of 15 20 minutes I kind of you know, you felt Liverpool were kind of like hemming them into to the final third yeah and putting a, a bit more you know putting pressure on and obviously it paid off in the end with, with that terrific winning goal it was a little bit hit and miss yeah you know, there, there wasn't much real tempo to our play, and we needed something a little bit different um you know I'm sure we'll, we, we may well come on to Roberto for me you know uh, as the pod goes on and it obviously yeah. clearly He's not in his best moment for Liverpool at the moment, but i, I, I still think he's got something to offer and I guess the, the 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 big positive is that whereas last last season and and really for the last couple of years, if Liverpool's front three haven't haven't been firing, we've kind of been relying on the mercurial talent of Divock Origi off the bench where it's, you oh. know he is very much hit and miss whereas now there is there is genuine genuine options with Shakiri. With Jota, who obviously is absolutely on fire. It's been a revelation since he's arrived at the club. Obviously, there's other players like Naby Keita and Minamino around the fringes as well, who can affect stuff. And I think as the season goes on, we'll see more and more of these players kind of combining with each other in different variations. And that that can only be to Liverpool's advantage. I I still think the front three have a fair bit of mileage in them and still have an awful lot to offer. But they now know that whereas in the past there wasn't really any pressure on them for the places there is now and hopefully that will help them not that i think they've been taking it for granted to it to any degree but you know that little bit of creative tension within a squad hopefully can just help them hone their skills and and help them deliver at the kind of level level liverpool are going to need if if they're going to retain the title which obviously is what we're all hoping for
2: yeah, I think, it, I think it just sort of hones the talents and hones the focus of the players, doesn't it, when they know there's, there's someone breathing down their neck. Luckily for Bobby Firmino, there's no one breathing down his neck uh, other than Diogo Jota, which is <laughs> the resistible rise of Diogo Jota. Uh, Matt, he, he's, he, uh, uh, Dan's just summed it up. He, he's had a sensational start um and he just looks he comes on and he just looks like you instantly know a clock player don't you and he just looks like he has that work rate and that energy and that enthusiasm to pick up the ball and and i'm not saying that bobby i I love bobby free now but i think that do you not think that it 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 could be a possibility that that um jota goes into that into that part to be in that front three um sooner rather than later and just gives Bobby Firmino, a bit of a rest and a bit of a time to, to look at the situation and then fight for his place?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Firmino has played a lot of football, hasn't he, over the last couple yeah. of seasons. And I think yeah, the, the biggest thing with Diogo Jota is that he just looks like a Liverpool player straight away. And obviously he's scoring loads and loads of goals. I think so far he's, he's averaging a goal every 71 minutes that he's on the pitch or something ridiculous. So long may that continue. But I just thought he made Salah and Mane alongside Give us that, that stat again, Matt. Well. Sorry,
2: give us that stat again. Give us that stat again, because you went dead on me. I don't know whether you went dead on the on the pod, but just to give us that stat again.
1: Yeah, a, a goal every seventy-one minutes. I think it is seventy-one or yeah. seventy-seven. One of the the two for for Diogo Jota, which you know is just a, a crazy sort of number when you you're so early into your Liverpool career. We've seen players like you know Fabinho and, and players like that take a few months to to slot into this team, but Jota just looks like you know he, he's been there forever, doesn't he? He's just one of those. You know, brilliant, brilliant signings that has come in and, and made an instant impact. And you always sort of trust that that Michael Edwards and, and Liverpool's recruitment team and analytics and, and all of that will get it right. But for him to have come in and, and really been an upgrade on Firmino already, obviously we don't want to go too negative on Firmino because we all know what he can do. But for me right now, he's made Jurgen Klopp's selection decision really for the weekend really, really easy because... You look at what Jota did in terms of the goal scoring, the, the creativity, the dropping in and, and linking the midfield to the attack. He just did everything that you want Firmino to do. But unfortunately, Firmino hasn't been doing now for, for the past few weeks. So, look, if Diogo Jota is not in Liverpool's team on Sunday, I would be very, very, very surprised. Um, But at the same time, not a bad thing to, to have Roberto Firmino coming off the bench for you. So... Yeah, when you look at Davico Rigi being the, the first substitute and the backup for that front three last season, you compare that to what Liverpool have got now, and they've just gone up to to a new level again. So it's been a fantastic start, but I think there's a lot more to come from from Diogo Jota as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, I mean, when you look at the goals he scored, he's not just a he's not just a one trick pony. When it comes to the fact he's energetic and then he gets on the end of balls and he can read. It. I mean, that second goal against Atalanta when he brought out the air. Mm. In one touch, past the defender, and rifles that near post in. I mean, this is a kid who's who's got it all. He's got he's got he's got um, he's got a lot in the locker, and he he's got he knows you know he's got a great shot on him. He's got great pace. I mean, he's the he's the, he's the full package, isn't
0: he? He looks an absolute. He's already looking like a, 40 mil, a £41 one million pound bargain, isn't he? I think there were a few eyebrows raised when when you know we learned the fee, which obviously his signing slightly slipped under the radar a little bit, obviously because there was so much attention on Thiago. And maybe you know, the the price tag people thought. It's a, I was a little surprised, but it's already looking chicken feed. And yeah, you know, what, what strikes me is, is like you say, the variety of goals that he scored already, the economy of his movement, you know, is is reading of the game, his positional sense, but also you know, the, the clinical nature of his finishing. You know, the header against Sheffield United, uh, yeah, against Sheffield United weekend before last. You know, it was it was it was a header you'd want to see a striker score, but. It's not like he, you know, he's not he's not John Toshak or Duncan Ferguson no. or someone that's on the on the face of really good in the air, and, and he and he buried it. You know, the, the the goal that was the goal he had disallowed just before his winner against West Ham last Saturday, uh, you know, he, that wasn't as easy finish as it maybe looked because there were defenders and goalkeeper throwing themselves everywhere, but he but he rifled it in, and he he just always seems very well balanced, and you know, one thing we know is that Klopp likes versatility and variety. And players who can play in a number of positions, you know, and, and positions among the front line. I think that's one, one of the reasons why Liverpool's front three have been so successful, because they're they're able to interchange at times and they all understand how each kind of variation within a within a within a within a formation should work. And it seems like Jota, you know, has that kind of footballing in- intelligence to be able to deliver on that same basis. And um, you know, as as Matt said, it, it's very difficult to see how, how he doesn't start at the Etihad on Sunday. But Firmino has a good record there. And, yeah. you know, generally, you know you, you, your top players often turn up in, in the bigger games. So it's a real, you know, selection. I think Klopp actually said the other day, it's not a headache, you know what I mean? Players playing well is never a bad thing for a manager. Yeah. But it'll be really, really interesting to see how... It, was it the Michelin game when all four, when all four of them started? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it didn't really... Play, you know, work out certainly in the first half. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be occasions when all four do start. Whether you do that away from home against a team like City, that obviously do have, you know, some attacking power of their own, and you know they're not not a team like, again, like the Danish team that you would expect to have a lot of the ball against. It would be a big call to do that at City, but um, it'll be re- you know, it, it'll be fascinating to see which way a club goes because you know City after their own kind of shocking result when they got back to 5-2 uh, at home to Leicester. I read something about this a couple of days ago, and I've just, just checked it before. Since since the 5-2 home defeat to Leicester, City have only conceded three goals in eight games. Mm-hmm. So they they have tightened themselves up at the back. And um, Now, obviously, obviously they, they are missing some front players, aren't they? Uh, I think yeah. Jesus came back in, the, in midweek, but it looks like Aguero is struggling with injury. So Klopp has got a big decision to make, and I think we'll all be on tender hooks at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon to see
2: which way he goes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about strength and depth in, in, in the squad. That little man, Shaqiri, just just keeps doing it, doesn't he? Defies... You know, he's obviously not the first on the team sheet for Klopp. He's obviously someone that Klopp uh, values as a player, but but sort of as a peripheral player, as, as a fringe player. But certainly against West Ham, when it felt that it was getting a bit a little bit stale, he's exactly the kind of person you, you want to come on and just shake things up. Because... He just can. He can pick a lock, can't he? And and we need that. Uh, Thiago wasn't on the pitch. He's another one who can pick a lock. But with insecurity, you have someone who can just play that wonderful. Whether he meant it or not, joking. Um, that wonderful pass. <laughs> you know, a nutmeg pass. Um, just with the beautiful pace for 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 Jotter to go on the end of. You know, yet again the other night was another was another occasion where Var just is ruining football. You don't know where to. I am at the stage now where I generally. Cannot celebrate the goal until I, until I know that it's it's been given because it's just completely taken the um, uh, the spontaneity out the game for me for for, for certainly for when from balls in the back of the neck back back of the net even with Giotto's because I was wondering whether or not they'd say Mane had interfered with the goalkeeper's line of it though Manny brilliantly stood out the way of it you only had to put a toe on that and that goal was disallowed um, so it, it, it it's just taken that thing out of it that it's ruining that spontaneity uh, for me but. Doesn't ruin the spontaneity of Jen Shakiri, who, you know, it, again he is probably a headache the club wants because he's another one who can now come off the bench, um, and and pick a lock when you need it. And we haven't even spoken about Tiago.
1: Exactly that. I mean, Zden Shakiri, the the pass was was utterly brilliant. It was a reminder, really, when you think of, of how little he played last season, of just how important he could be for for Liverpool. It was more, you know, the Zerdan Shakiri of a couple of seasons ago where he came on and you know, goals against Manchester United and things like that. He made a a real decisive difference. And it's one of those where I think at the end of the season, Liverpool could look back and and think that, you know, they very nearly sold him during the summer. There was a bit of interest in him. I think if it hadn't have been for coronavirus, he probably would have left Liverpool because, you know, they'd set a price tag and, and things like that. They were happy for him to move on if if the right club came in at, at the right sort of cost. So it's one of those that Liverpool may well, at the end of the season, look back and be very, very relieved that that, that didn't actually happen in the end. I think you know, there's a little bit of, of good fortune in that. But at the same time, Jurgen Klopp and, and Liverpool always knew how good that, that and Shakiri could be. And again, it just comes back to that squad depth, doesn't it? We've not even you know mentioned Takumi Minamino, uh, who's in there oh. as well. You've got basically three players there in, in Jota, Minamino and, and Shaqiri, who... At times already this season, all three of them have you know, put forward a, a shout that they should be in the reckoning for for whichever team comes next for Liverpool. So, yeah, with so many matches to come, certain Shikiri, I'm sure we'll get plenty of opportunities. But again, it, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, for example, at Manchester City at, at the weekend, we may not see Zed and Shakiri at all because it just might not be the, the right game for him. But the yeah. luxury that, that Klopp has got at, at this moment in time is that he has got so many different options and, and so many different things he can keep you know opposition managers guessing because I'm sure Pep Guardiola this week is is probably looking at it and thinking, well, there's not a hundred percent chance that Firmino doesn't start. There, there could be an option of a Shakiri or a Minamino or someone like that coming in. It, it's just a case of Of keeping opponents guessing, not just in terms of the substitutes, but in terms of of who starts and and the formation and and things like that. So yeah, plenty of options and and Tiago Alcantara as well, of course, as you say, still to come back into that properly as well. Poetry emotion
0: on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Do you think that's more uh, Dan Tiago's situation is is something outside of that the, the tackle that he got in the end of with Richardson, uh, or is it um is that the main culprit for why he's been I know he's been training kind of on his own, hasn't he, and doing bits of bobs. Um more mm. intensive how far along the line do you know he is or isn't from uh, from making an appearance?
0: I'm not too sure to be honest. I mean, Klopp has been kind of quite um cagey in terms of you know when he's been asked about him. You know, I, I do remember at the time, obviously, we all saw shocking you know, the the shocking challenge from Richardson and even though I, I think that did actually come just before the beautiful kind of reverse pass he played for Mane for what should yeah. have been Henderson's winner. But I think you know on that Saturday afternoon evening I think Klopp said after the game you know he is he is feeling it and obviously there was a concern that he could have you know serious knee ligament trouble like like Van Dyke did. Obviously we were all relieved to find out that, that it wasn't obviously nowhere near serious as, as Virgil's when the scans came back, I just think it's possibly a case of um, Klopp, you know, erring on the side of caution because in the, he's yeah. literally only played three halves of football for Liverpool so far, hasn't he? The, yeah. the, the two in the derby and the one at Chelsea. Um, but obviously, virtually every time he's he's been on the ball, we've all been drooling and he's you know, he's looked the absolute business and and exactly what we were hoping for to give us you know, that that kind of cultured passing in midfield. So. I think I, I I would imagine as well part of it as well the fact that obviously Liverpool have had this particular defensive injury crisis and obviously the, well initially we were using Fabinho to go at the back and obviously then he flipping got injured obviously <laughs> there is the option that in extremis Henderson or Wayne Alden could be used there as well and yeah. I think bearing in <clears> mind that he, he did pick up this knock I think Klopp didn't want to kind of push his luck because you know if say he did. Rushing back too soon, and he broke down again, and then and then he was out for four or five months. Then Liverpool really would be in a mess. But in the same way that I mentioned before, that um, you know it, it's quite possible that maybe Klopp has has earmarked um, M- M- Mat for the for the Manchester game on Sunday. It may well be that this this is the game that he's been targeting for Thiago as well, and if that kind of makes sense, you know when you you look at the Premier League games they've all had in the last couple of weeks against Sheffield United and West Ham. You think it would be more of a thiago of game against City? I'm not saying there won't be tackles flying in, but it'll be maybe more of a passing game. Yeah, more you know, yeah. of a and passing game. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and obviously, they will be... This will be, well, I think it's fair to say the hardest game Liverpool have had so far this season because, you know, City, even though they finished 18 points behind us, were the second-best team. And obviously, even though they haven't had the, the start of the season they would have wanted, are still pretty good. So, I, you know... We'd all love to see him on, on, on Sunday um, at the Had and maybe we will, but um, I think you know, we, we, we just have to trust the manager and, and his medical staff judgment on this because particularly as well, given you know the compressed nature of the season with all so many games in such a short space of time, they've got to really look at the medical data and be very, very careful because obviously we're already down to the bare bones in defence and we can't really afford that to be the case in midfield as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're basically talking three games a week now, Matt, aren't we? For this, for this, uh, for for future, um, the Man City game will will be um, a really lay down a marker if we can get a good result there. How much of a marker do you think we laid down the other night with that At- At- Atalanta win? I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, a brilliant performance. It was a clinical performance, and you can imagine a lot of European clubs watching that thinking, "Oh God!" I mean, I, I don't think anyone wants to face us anyway, but um. It's great to put a shot. Ch- I mean, as a fan watching it, and I know that all the people listening to this who listen to this podcast will know what I mean when I say this. When you're watching Liverpool football club, and when they watch when they're playing people off the park and when they're when they're sending shockwaves around the world, it just makes that smile a little bit more than I was watching it, I'm working at the moment on a job and I was I was watching it in a hotel in Manchester and um, it's made it feel even better. Um hmm. and it just it's just that great feeling of pride when you see a Liverpool team just really giving it to a team like atalanta who you know up to that point were doing very very well scored a lot 79 goals in 17 games or something i mean you know really good stats what kind of a market do you think that lays out in european football when the make a result like that
1: i think it's a, a massive market to be honest i think obviously going into the game everyone knew that atalanta were a really good team i don't think anybody expected that atalanta wouldn't score I think they scored ninety-eight goals in in Syria last season, which you know for an Italian team is is very very strange. The opposite of, of what you would think would would be the case. And for Liverpool to to go there, I think it's the the biggest away win by an English team in Italy that there's ever been. Uh, for Liverpool to to go and play in the way that they did, just as you say, clinical all over the pitch you, you could pick out probably you know 10 or 11 man of the matches there because you know even players who, who've not really had a mention like Jordan Henderson I thought was superb Genie Wijnaldum, Curtis Jones in midfield you know whoever you you looked at they were all absolutely perfect really in, in that game which going into to Manchester City at, at the weekend is is really really good but I suppose yeah as you say across Europe I'm sure you know teams would have looked at them and you only have to look back to, to last season in the Champions League. I think it was the the quarterfinals that Atalanta got themselves into. I think going into to second half stoppage time against PSG, they were a goal up and, and looked like they were on the way to the semifinals. You know, that was a, a really, really good Atalanta team. That they're, they're not much different to, to what they were. I think they lost one or two players over the summer, but they are pretty much the same team that that did really well in Europe last season. And Liverpool just made them look really, really average. I thought they were probably not at their best by any stretch but but that was as much because of of how Liverpool played as as anything else so yeah going forward I think it 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 sort of sets a marker sets a precedent for for Liverpool and probably more importantly than that if Liverpool win their next game at at home to Atalanta they'll be through into the, the knockout phase with a couple of matches to spare so yes it is every sort of three or four days Liverpool have a game but if they can win the next Champions League game, they can make wholesale changes then for the last two, safe in the knowledge that they'll be playing Champions League football into to 2021.
2: Yeah, and you can't underestimate the importance of that, can you? Because if they're struggling um in the group stages, or not even struggling, but if it's a if it's a bit of a nip and tuck thing, and it really puts a lot of pressure. On uh, on on the selections that Young Klopp has to has to do um, domestically, doesn't it? And with all these games coming, as I say, thick and fast, it's great to be in a position where we're we're, we're sort of you know way out ahead there, and, and we can sort of not rest on our laurels, but we can certainly uh, have a bit of breathing space when it comes to that. You made a great point there, Matt and Dan. I'll let you pick up on this. Um, if there uh, no one's been forgotten in this side for the for the work rate they've been put in, but we have to definitely mention. Um, Henderson, Wijnaldum and Curtis Jones have been fantastic, haven't they? Just head down, done their jobs, I mean, mopped up a lot of work as well. Took a lot of, I think, took a lot of pressure that people don't really notice off uh, the centre-backs uh, who need it at the moment.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think, to be honest, we've probably slightly taken it for granted, really, with Henderson and Wijnaldum. You know, they're, they're two really experienced players, two, two who have been absolute cornerstones of the rise under Jurgen Klopp and, you know, Two Liverpool legends, as far as I'm concerned, you know, no, no matter what they go on to achieve, but it's been really encouraging to see like the maturity in in, in Curtis Jones has played this season. You know, he, he's always seemed to have, you know, ever since he, he's broken through, a bit of an old head on on, on young shoulders. And obviously, you know, he, he made headlines last year with his you know his penalty winner against Arsenal in the League Cup, and then obviously that stunning stunning winner against Everton in the in the FA Cup got his first league goal against Aston Villa, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, the same weekend that he he made his contract. And I think I probably kind of imagined him as being kind of an advanced midfield player, someone that, you know, was going to play between the lines, supplementing the attack. But what struck, you know, what's, what's really impressed me about him this season is that he, uh, even though he's, you know, he's, he scored some lovely goals. I think he got got a great, a great double against Lincoln in the, in the league cup didn't he earlier on? But, and and it was particularly noticeable on, um, on Tuesday against atalanta he's doing a lot of what I suppose you could call the donkey work in midfield um, yeah. while at the same time still getting forward and supplementing the attack and showing you know the eye for a pass and the eye for a, an incisive ball that he's got at him when he needs it but he's he's fulfilling those those kind of defensive responsibilities that that you have to take seriously if you're going to play midfield at the top level and particularly for a club like liverpool and for someone of his, you know, relatively tender years and you know and, and relative inexperience in terms of the games that he's played, you know, I, he's learning from some of the best, obviously, in the likes of Henderson and Wynne Aldum and obviously you know, the outstanding coaching staff that Liverpool have at their disposal. But um I, I think it bodes really, really well for the future. I think I think you know, he is the kind of player that is going to score some great goals for us. But there's more to his bow just than that. And I think it bodes really, really well that, you know this kid could have a really long successful future at Liverpool ahead of them.
2: It is remarkable that Dan's just completely summed it up. It is remarkable, Matt, isn't it, when you see a player of that age with such a confidence on the ball, with such it's almost borderline arrogance. It's not he's not an arrogant person, but it's an arrogant a, a, a pro- positive arrogance, isn't it? Where there's just no—he gets the ball, he strides forward, he doesn't—you know—for the kid of his age, he doesn't have any kind of intimidation or fear about anyone that he's coming up against. A remarkable thing, and, and it, it's an ind- always seems to be an indicator. Like we, like, like looking at the young Stephen Gerrard when he was coming on and smashing him in from thirty yards against United, and you know, you can know, you can always seem to tell when something special on the ball, and just because of his of that confidence that he displays.
1: Yeah, it's just complete assurance, isn't it, with him? You you know exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And I've seen a lot of him actually coming through the the Youth Academy at Liverpool, what he's done coming up from the under-18s into the under-23s. They sort of work with him to to get him to be a little bit more unselfish on the ball, working harder off it, improving his leadership and, and that sort of thing. And I think we've seen that since he stepped up and, and become a, a real regular for for the first team. We certainly saw that on Tuesday night, the sort of more disciplined role that he had. And if you've got that to your game, you've got that ability to learn, the ability to make the the players around you better. It, if you've got that at the age of 19, then I mean, imagine what he's gonna be like in, in three or four years' time. He's really a, a special talent. And I was actually having a, a look earlier today at how many minutes he's played for Liverpool this season because you know we sort of looked at, at him going into the, the starter of the new campaign about, you know, is he gonna be the Adam Lalana replacement? Is he gonna sort of take on the the role in the squad that he has had essentially in terms of the number of minutes? But He's actually played around about 43% of the minutes that Liverpool have, have had this season in total. So he's playing a much bigger role, I think, than a lot of people would have expected him to. He's played a, a significant chunk of minutes and not looked out of place either. And it's quite clear that, that Jurgen Klopp trusts him. He's obviously put him in against a, a team like Atalanta, where you knew it was going to be you know, end-to-end. There was going to be a lot of time where Liverpool didn't have the ball. And he still put him in, still used him for, for the 90 minutes. The fact that he played the full game suggests to me that he probably won't feature at the weekend against Manchester City. But, you know, he's 19. He's got plenty of time still to develop. And if he does end up playing, you know, a similar proportion of minutes to what he has done so far this season, he's going to be you know a really crucial and and important member of this squad, which, you know, to be fair to him, for for somebody of his ability is absolutely deserved and warranted.
2: Yeah, it is a it is a big thing to have. I mean, you've both brought this up at the start of the podcast, but the squads, the squad depth and strength we have now is fantastic. If it wasn't that long ago we could look to our squad bench and uh, and see the likes of. Um, Oh, God. Uh, well, I was going to say Danny Ings, but he's actually really, really fine on on, on all cylinders. But, you know, you, we, we we had a really poor kind of bench, didn't we? And we'd look at it and think, who's going to come on and influence this game in any way whatsoever? And now you can look and say, well, we have some really good players who can really make a difference in a couple of seconds on the pitch. It's great to have that. And we're going to need it. Uh, the next six matches. I always do this little um, forward throw to, to the next six games. Next six games, thick and fast. Man City, of course, away. At the Etihad. Uh, then we have uh, Atalanta, the 2050 11th Atlanta uh, Atalanta at home. As you said before, Matt, if we can nail that one, uh, which you feel is highly likely, gives us a, a lovely little pocket of breathing space there um, when it comes to the group stages. Um, and then we have Brighton Away, the 28th. So just three days after Brighton Away. Um, and then Ajax on the first at home, first of December. Wolves, be interesting one for Jota to come back to. Uh, Wolves at home on the fifth of December, and then the Midland away on the 9th of December as well. So lots of games thick and fast coming through. Talking of games, interesting one I read today that the pay per view is to be scrapped. Um, this idea of paying £15.99 to watch your match, and if the FA looked at it, or the Premier League have looked at it and said that um, that they're going to they're going to scrap it, uh, it's got to be good news on it, Dan.
0: Yeah, it is good news. Um, it's it's only right. I think you know it, it's it's right we should pay tribute to uh, Liverpool and Everton fans and fans across the country that stood together against this ridiculous, greedy, selfish, lunatic idea. That, you know, at a, at a time like this when the country's is struggling with the pandemic and people are worried about their jobs and their livelihoods and the mortgages and so on, um, it's it it, it it just saddens me that, that it had to come to this. How could how did they ever think that 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 this would be acceptable and you know, it it, it, it is a bit annoying that you know, we're a lot of you know, we people have wasted a lot of time and energy fighting against this that that really could have been used elsewhere um you know it, it's but it, it it is the right decision um and it's it's just regrettable that they couldn't see that without um being forced into it but you know the, the most heartening thing i suppose is it shows the it shows that people power fan power can have an effect and i think you know in these in these troubling times, that that is a, a, a real positive for us all to take.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, Matt, they'll put some sort of wonderful PR spin on it and come out saying, ah, we knew that and we're doing this for the fans. They'll have an advert that, you know, we're fans, you're fans, let's stick together. But the fact of the matter was they were trying to shaft us out of 15, 16 pounds a game. And as Dan says, um, you know, resources that could be used elsewhere, but still, you know, there's so much tribalism in football, isn't it? There? And there's so much kind of us against them, and it is nice every now and again that fans get together and say, actually, as a whole, we're not having this and um, and beat them off and and, and it, it's worked this way. They're going to, well, they've certainly said it's going to be, it's going to be the, the last of it. I don't think they could have faced the, the PR hell of it, could they?
1: No, it's a, an absolutely massive win. It, it's a fantastic thing for for not just Liverpool fans but fans across the country to have come together and achieved it and, and shown really that when people do pull together, they can, you know, really turn things around and achieve this. I think a lot of people possibly would have have accepted it, but certainly football fans didn't want to to do that, and they've got you know the, the deserved thing in the end. I mean, in terms of the the decision, you know, the the clubs and and Sky and, and BT and whoever made up this decision in, in the beginning, I think they've really just shot themselves in the foot I mean, look at, at the long term thing of it if, if they'd have priced it at a, a reasonable price let's say it was you know three or four quid a game instead of 15 they'd probably get away with it and, and we'd say you yeah. know what fair enough there's a bit of a cost that that is invoked by putting these games on it it's not free to to send cameras down there and things like that but the fact that they went in so high and, and were so greedy to begin with they've now ended up with nothing because fans have fought back and, and it looks like they've got rid of it so yeah, well in the the fans but I think this is a lesson to be learned for for the TV companies and, and clubs because if they'd have just played this a little bit more sensibly in the first place they could have actually got something that was you know mutually beneficial for, for both them and for supporters
2: all right listen just before there has been well I can good at least I can ask your opinion for the game um there has been some speculation in the paper talking about an amazing squad that we're, we're building um, the Erling Haaland story that suddenly surfaced mm. from nowhere the uh, people listening to this now uh, whatever they're doing um, well in lockdown um, I- I'm sure they've seen uh, they've, uh, more than more than one raised eyebrow um, and I'm not talking so about the Everton manager when they've seen this story um, Haaland, I mean what a sign and what an acquisition he would be in. does any do any of you guys know any of the background behind this and, and, and if we should read anything at all into it
1: well, I think it started, didn't it, with the, the Red Bull Salzburg uh, manager or chief executive or, or whatever he is earlier in the week suggesting that Liverpool would be the ultimate destination for, for Erling Holland. I think, look, Liverpool, I'm sure will be taking a look if the price is right. Why wouldn't you be interested in someone that, that scored as many goals as he had? I think it's, what is it, the quickest player to get to, to 14 Champions League goals or something ridiculous? I think he's done it in 14 in 11 games, 14 goals, something like that. He's is is extraordinary. He's, he's just an absolute freak, isn't he? He's just so so good in terms of goal scoring, in terms of of absolutely everything. I think, yeah, that that's that's sort of where the the story started. Um, we spoke to to Red Bull Salzburg's manager uh, earlier in the summer. He suge- suggested as well that you know Holland would be a, a good fit. And to be honest, I can see him coming to the Premier League. I'm not going to say it's necessarily going to be Liverpool at some point down the line, but. I think for for Holland, similar to someone like an Mbappe or someone like that, at some point you think it, it's logical for them to to come to a Premier League club, experience that, and you know they're, they're both so so young. Holland is you know you know at the the very very start of, of his career, he could come to the Premier League, have four or five years here, then go to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona and, and have mm-hmm. four or five years there. There's there's enough time in in his career.
2: What interesting, what is interesting, Dan, though, is that he has proved. Uh, with his move to Dortmund, uh, when he was getting courted by the by by the sort of you know the super clubs, if you like, the the um, the, um, the the Real Madrid to the world. What's interesting, he does seem to have a, a, a kind of a mature head on his shoulders, and was very much whether he's advised this way or whether I know his dad was a footballer, or, or whether or not it's his own thing. But he made the really conscious decision to go to Dortmund because he didn't want to leap into the fire, if you like, and it was quite a kind of a mature decision on such young shoulders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it shows he's, he's got good people around him. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he's been well advised and he's got, you know, an idea about how a football career should look. And obviously that helps by the fact that obviously his father was Roy Keane's old mate, Al Finger, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, but there, there's, there's no getting away from it. He obviously is a rare goal scoring talent. I've just got it up here. He's, you know, he, he scored 14 goals in only 11 Champions League matches. You know, f- f- from the start of last season, he, he-, he got a hat trick on his debut, and in the opening game of the last season's group against Genk. there was obviously all the big hype because the next game was against Liverpool at Anfield, and he and he, I think he had an illness or something. And he didn't start, did he? No, and he came off the bench and he came on, scored. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And um, I I think the away game in Salzburg was the only was the only one of, of the of the of the six group games that he didn't score in. But I, I, I think the, the move to a club like Dortmund made made a lot of sense. It's obviously clear, you know, a clear step up from Salzburg. Probably not a massive cultural change in terms of you know moving from Austria to Germany, um, playing for a bigger club with bigger expectations. One where he can kind of develop his game, but also where there's not, you know, it, it's not as it, <clears throat> it's a big club, Dortmund, but it's not a super, it's not a, a, a mega club, is it? <clears throat> and I and I think. <clears throat> It makes a lot of sense for him to kind of find his feet on that level which <clears throat> clearly he's already doing you know both you know we been both domestic football and european football and it seems inevitable if if his career trajectory keeps on going the way it is he is going to end up at one of europe's top clubs and obviously yeah. Liverpool very much fall into that category we've got his old mate Minamino here from Salzburg which mm. you know, which could be an attractive little way of of, of luring him in should should that happen? So, it's um yeah, it, if Liverpool and and top players are always going to be linked with each other. Certainly, when we're in you know operating at the kind of level that we are now, and but it's no bad thing. You know, better for, better for us to be linked with someone like him than you know whoever this year's Sean Dundee is from from Ragbag Rover. If you're <laughs> if, if you're getting if you're getting linked with these top players, it shows that you know we're the kind of club that the top players want to play for, and eventually. The time we you know and they're not too distant future. Obviously, we we know Salamane and Firmino were all in the late twenties. There is going to have to be some kind of succession planning there. Yeah. Jota is kind of maybe taking some of the immediate pressure off that, but an interesting one. And I, I think you know when I first saw him, he's a big lad, must be what six three six four. He, but he's not just a big rock that you that you no. throw high balls into the box for. He's got pace. He's got finesse. He's got a finish. He seems to have an all-round game and, you know, I'd love to see him in a red shirt one day.
2: Be very, very interesting, wouldn't it, guys? Um, Well, we're talking about the resistible rise of Diego Jota. So let's see about what you think uh, he could influence uh, on the upcoming game against Man City. Matt, what are your predictions for uh, Liverpool-Man City at the Etihad?
1: Well, first and foremost, I predict that Firmino will be on the bench. I think he could come off the bench and and make a real impact, but I do think it'll be Diogo Jota. I think it's a really difficult one to predict in terms of the scoreline, in terms of the team that that City put out. I think they'll have Gabriel Jesus back, but it doesn't look like they will be there, which is a big plus for Liverpool. It's a very, very difficult one to to sort of predict. So I'm going to go for a draw, to be honest. I think it's going to be... I think there'll be a couple of goals. Um, I think it might be, you know, one one all, two all, something like that. I just think it, it's going to be a really tight contest. But then again, of course, I did say something very very similar on Tuesday night, and, and Liverpool went to Atalanta and, and blew them away. So hopefully, I can be proven wrong again. But I would be surprised if there was more than a goal in it. If if one team was to win,
2: yeah, both. I mean, both teams Dan can score. Both can put them in the back of the net, and both can pick them out of their own net as well. At the moment, it's it's a very up and downy kind of. Um, see, uh, get a thing at the moment for both City and Liverpool. What are your predictions, my mate?
0: Well, in, in terms of the team selection, you know, as I said, I, I kind of feel surely Jota has to start. Um, you know, you, you've got to play you, your informed players, and obviously, he's, there's no player more informed arguably in the league at the moment. You know, Slurgan Klopp is a loyal manager, though, you know, and, and I think he would be loath to leave Firmino out, even if it, you know, um, you know, it it may well do him good in, in the long run, just help him recharge his batteries and stuff. But I I think you know, I think Klopp will probably have a few sleepless nights just trying to figure out exactly what to do and why he's going to do it. But I I I think probably Firmino on the bench is probably the way to go. Um, as I said, you know, after after both teams you know be having shock heavy defeats earlier on the season, both have tightened up at the back. So, you know, it would be ironic after all the hype going into the game that it ends up being nil-nil. But yeah. I, I, I would be very surprised because, I mean, there's hardly been any nil nil this season, has it? You know It's after, you know, so many games, only a handful. In fact, I, I, I'm, I'm sure they said like, last, the, the the goals that flew in around Europe Tuesday night and Wednesday night made this the highest scoring Champions League match day in history.
1: 72 remember, goals or
0: something, something I think it was. So whether whether there is something in this thing about football being behind closed doors, having an impact, there were a few fans of some of the Champions League games I don't know I think Liverpool will win though um, I think Liverpool will win 3-2 that's my prediction
2: alright I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool yes why not why not alright listen guys thank you very much we've hit our 45 minutes barrier there so we've sort of done our we've done our first half if you like second half whatever you want to do <laughs> uh, thank you very much listen stay safe Matt and stay safe Dan as well uh, and keep you, bringing us the reports keep working hard for Liverpool Echo and, of course, for Liverpool Football Club. I am Neil Fitz. Um, Whatever happens, let's just cheer the Red Boys on. Fingers crossed we get a result against City. Onwards and upwards. And uh, let's keep watching the rise of Diego Jota, shall we? This has been another Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. We'll see you all again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red Channel.